This is the St. Longinus' Baptism Podcast Channel. This is number episode number 18. And it's Be Wise as Serpents and Gentle as Doves Part 2. That quote of scripture is from St. Matthew chapter 10, verse 16. But first the prayer. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. All that I am, all that I have, and all that I do shall be consecrated to your service and your glory. In Jesus' name I pray, Immaculate Heart of Mary, please pray for us. Sacred Heart of Jesus, please pray for us, amen. I'm not going to assume that... Um. And any of you that are listening to this have actually listened to the first part of this, which is entitled, Be Wise as Serpents and Gentle as Doves. Um, but basically, I felt a need to expound upon that scripture. Um, I'm not going to get into the context of the scripture it should be plain enough to anyone with a biblical understanding and quite frankly uh common sense that basically you're 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 to you're to be wise in the ways of the world but you're not to act in ways of the world is is the long and the short of it in my humble opinion Having said this, I recommended a YouTube podcast channel called uh, Defeat Modernism. And I want to preface this by saying that what I'm about to say is not, I repeat, is not a criticism of his motivations. It is not a criticism of any sort against the person who does this. It is not a criticism in any way. However, um, I have noticed some errors in one of his latest podcasts that I feel that I need to address. Um, and by the way, uh, well... Anyway, so basically, oh, and by the way, I'm not saying, I'm not disowning defeat modernism. If, you know, if you like his content or if you're interested and want to hear his content, by all means, you know, um, he's, you know, he's pretty orthodox. I just noticed a couple of errors in what he was saying. Um, so in his last couple of episodes, he might've done more since I basically put his, put these, put these episodes on listen to later. You know, I first, uh, put them on my list, I think last Friday. So, but anyway, um, when I first saw the thumbnail and it had a picture of Lincoln and Marx with the Marxist symbol. So far, so good. You know, that, that comports, you know, with reality. But then on the bottom, he says, the, I forget the Masonic North against the Christian South. Okay. Not only as a set of a contest, but also as, as a historian, 
well, a, a set of a contest with historical leanings, this is this is a major error. This is a major error because anybody from the United States will tell you they call the South the Bible Belt for a reason. But this being America, they're talking from a Protestant perspective. So you're not going to meet very many uh, American set of a contest in the South. We are literally the, the minutest of minorities in the South. It is a Protestant area. Um, it's also in air in the sense that um, as I said previously, there are books that document how the American founders, not all of them, not all of them, but a lot of them were actual Masons and they designed the Constitution and the, the method of governing the government by Masonic design. Now, but that doesn't excuse, that doesn't excuse the Protestant founders from, you know, I'm sure just by the law of averages, some of them had to be aware that guys like uh, Franklin in Washington were Masons. I don't have enough historical uh, knowledge in the revolutionary period to make a definitive statement. Um, if I'm wrong, I'll admit it, but uh, maybe they were undercover. Well, the fact that George Washington and Ben Franklin in particular were noted Masons is a matter of historical fact. So somewhere one of the founders had had to be dimly aware that something wasn't right. And if they were Protestant, um, you know, they they should have avoided them because even in the 1700s, Masons were considered practical atheists. Now, for the sake of charity, I will say that maybe they weren't aware. Well, for the sake of charity, I'll say maybe they had two motivations. The first motivation being that they knew the, 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 the Masons were basically atheists, but since they were basically going after the Catholic Church, they had no issue with it. Or two, um, for whatever reason, they didn't. They didn't view the Masons as a threat. So that's my charity as far as I'm able. But anyway, anybody who's in America, well, I shouldn't say this given the state of our educational system nowadays, but there, you know, the, the declaration of, well, the, the constitution was not a northern phenomena. There were plenty of um, representatives from the south who signed on to it. There were plenty of representatives from the south who signed on to it. So that leads me to believe that and basically, there, there's another set of a contest podcast who basically says anybody who's been a part of the American government for all intensive purposes has been a Mason. And as I said before, because I'm not going to assume you've listened to anything that I put out in the past, I have said there's actual Masons and then there's Mason adjacent. In other words, there's actual Masons who are trying to do Masonic things. And then there are Masons who may not actually be a member of a Masonic lodge, but are deeply influenced by its ideas through uh, education or the books they've read or quite frankly, the culture that they live in anyway. So my whole purpose in going into this long explanation I'm not being I'm not being didactic here I'm not being didactic 
um, you know, to those who know the Masonic movement or whatever, this is old news to them. This is strictly aimed at the people who may not be aware. The Masonic movement was not com confined to the North. It was also confined to the South. Okay. So basically the civil war and there have been other set of contests who make this uh make this uh distinction that you know masons being human beings will fight amongst themselves for power and prestige or whatever whatever reason they have they will fight amongst themselves that's human nature if it's not directed by a true understanding of god and a true faith so it wasn't it was it was a battle between masons and and it was not a battle of the masonic north against the christian south because and the guy, the guy, you know, um, he recently converted the set of a contism. So I, I'm, I'm not here to question. I'm not here to question his, like I said, his, I'm not here to question anything, but it's, it's an error. It's an error to call Protestants Christians. Okay. A, a common error that a lot of uh, Protestants and um, Vatican II Catholics and the traditional, or I should say the neo-traditional um, organizations that are Catholic, like the St. Pius X Society, is that, you know, because, because certain elements of Protestantism correspond with their value system that oh oh yeah they're 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 an heir but they're part of us no they're not and without getting too didactic the reason i say this is um for those of you who know episcopalianism it's it's is basically um it's basically a ripoff of the traditional Catholic mass with the doctrine that is built around Protestantism. In other words, Episcopalianism would be the Protestant version of, say, the neo-traditional Catholic mass that the Vatican II Church puts out. They're both Protestant heirs masquerading as Catholics. Now, I know some of you may have Protestant friends, or you may have neo-traditionalist friends who are, you know, who, who, who think that they're Catholic, traditional Catholics. Um, you know, you got to put, in, in these issues, you have got to put your prejudices aside. I mean, they may be, you know, it, it is not up to us as Catholics to to make true Catholics, I should say, to make um, judgment calls about the state of a person's soul or, you know, any of that. But it is our job as Catholics. If we see somebody in error, you know, and because we're all individuals, circumstances, you know, change. Or I shouldn't say they change, but basically God deals with us as individuals. We're on a mission from God. I apologize for that last interruption. Once again, and this is just me being forgetful, um, I forgot to turn off my notifications and my, my ringer before I started recording this because I am recording off a cell phone. So my apologies. Um, I ask for your understanding. Where I left off is, is for those of you who have friends 
and this is mostly aimed at set of a contest. Um, I don't want my last statement to get twisted. I'm not saying that if a person is under the air of thinking because, you know, for whatever reason, that Protestants are actual Christians like we are, I'm not saying that you're supposed to go along with that. However, we are born in the era of where we are. And in this era, you know, I do realize traditional Catholic teachings that you were supposed to call out heresy when you hurt, when you hear it or err. In this day and age, you have to use prudence. Okay? There's trust in God, but you still have to use prudence. Telling somebody that they're either in air or a heretic to their face will probably get you punched in the face and you'll lose a friend or a relative. And, you know, because the spirit of this age is ignorance and in religious indifferentism, you're, you know, you're, you're going to defeat your own cause by doing that. My advice is, if you run into this, just pray for them privately. Make some mortifications and sacrifices for their conversion. Um, but, you know, I, I'm not a spiritual advisor. So you do what you, you know, you feel, um, and this isn't Protestantism here. Um, if, if you're in a good spiritual state, God will lead you in the right direction. Now, having said that, um, the guys that are neo-traditionalists, and this is a Protestant heresy, that that's why I call them neo-traditionalists, they basically say um, that, you know, um, oh, Episcopalians, you know, they're, they're, they're Christian, or, you know, Baptists, they're Christian. No, they're not. There is different from true Catholicism as a pig is, as a pig is, well, I, I'm sorry, I'm going to, I'm going to make it a little more clear. There's different from tr uh, true Catholicism as a leopard is from a cheetah. Now, unless you're, you know, versed in, 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 in uh, large wild cats, a leopard or a cheetah, you know, it, at first glance, I'll say. At first glance, you're going to say, oh, okay, it's a big cat with spots. And you're going to leave it at that, you know. Well, they're basically the same. They're both big cats with spots. But to those, uh, those people who, who have a knowledge of uh, biology and zoology will tell you that actually the cheetah and leopard are, are two separate types of big cats. In other words... They shame they they share the same characteristics, a large cat with spots, but their their biology and their uh gene uh pardon me, I'm I'm talking about a scientific subject and I'm not really versed that well in science, but basically they're they got separate biologies, different genetic makeup. And that's that's the mistake that the neo-traditionalists make is because they're looking at it from a worldly point of view, uh, a secular point of view. They're, they're saying, well, you know, the Episcopalians have the same kind of mass as we do, not realizing that if they're neo-traditional and they're going to the St. Pius X society masses or the, uh, or the uh, Nor uh, Vatican II traditional masses, their their underpinnings are basically Protestant. They're basically Protestant, so the air will creep in. While our um, our our church services are basically the same, therefore, um, you know, they're they're Christians like we are, and don't. Don't make the mistake of thinking, well, 
Um, never mind on that. What I'm going to say is, since Vatican II is a pro- Protestant heresy dressed up as Catholicism, and having been former Vatican II and Protestant, I can tell you that um, they actually teach this. Okay, they actually teach this. That, well, the Protestants are our separated brethren. No, they're not. They're heretics. Now, they may be nice people, you know, in the secular sense. They're still heretics. You know, the Aryan heretics and, you know, the uh, some of the other heresies, there might have been individual heretics who, you know, on the outside were decent people. You know, they worked, they fed their families, they raised them as best as they could. But a heresy is still a heresy. It's an affront to God. You know, and that's that's the air of looking at the surface and not having a deeper understanding of where the heresy is coming from. Okay, and for those of you who are St. Pius X um, goers, I'm not going to assume that you've bothered to listen to anything from the true Catholic Church set of a contism, set of contis. And by the way, I'm I'm almost positive that the guy who does defeat modernism thinks that the St. Pius X Society, his particular branch, because one branch split off from the main branch because they recognize that the main branch, the main branch was flirting with the Vatican II Church if not in actual cahoots with them. But, and I will use Norvis Ordo Watch to prove my point, it has been pointed out through video evidence of the, of the St. Pius X Society breakoff branch that they're no better, they're still suffering under the airs of the Vatican II traditionalists. Now, whether they realize it or not is immaterial. Um, there, there's video evidence of it. So, um, and in a way, these guys are even more pernicious than the actual Vatican II heretics because they're masquerading as Sedevacantis, but reject Sedevacantism completely. And by the way, if you want evidence on that, go to Norvis Ordo Watch. Um, they do have videos. And um, the guy who does that website breaks down their errors, breaks down what they say that actually contradicts in his heretical the traditional Catholic teachings. But this is not, this is not, my, my, my job is not to, to, to read from books and to, you know, my job is to get the information out there and treat you like an adult and assume that you're going to, 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 to do your own research. I'm not going to do your research for you, which brings me to the, to the, the other error I noticed in this. Which is whatever author he was he he was actually reading from a book. Um, I know that there are other podcasters who are secular that do this too. Personally, me, um, why would you read from a book when you got books on tape? Why would you read from a book when you know? Those of you who've gone to school and you've had those teachers, uh, let me read from this such and such book. It puts you to sleep. Okay? The best way to learn is to actually read the actual words. But regardless, he was reading from a book, and I'm going to get to where his context is coming from, that was obviously not said of a contest. 
for the just the, the, the reasons I just gave you. Because the reasons I just gave you were the reasons that this podcaster was reading from his book. And basically that the, the, the Southerners were Christians because they had a respect for hierarchy and tradition. And anybody who knows history knows that that's complete and utter garbage. There have been plenty of societies that had, you know, Rome, pagan Rome had traditions and hierarchy. Does that make it Christian? No, obviously not. And then it quoted approvingly how King George III allowed the United States to break away from England. There are so many assumptions here that need to be busted here, but I'm going to go with the obvious ones. Number one, King George III was a Protestant. Therefore, he's not a legitimate king. Now, I know there are traditional Catholic teachings that say, you know, um, uh, that if you're a Catholic living in a Protestant land, you know, um, you, you, you have respect for whoever's in charge, but I, I don't think that any Catholic living in England in the 1700s would have called King George III a, a Christian monarch. Okay, I mean, not not if they understood the theology, they would. And basically, um, you know, and by the way, I ran into this crap on Twitter uh, back when Trump was in office. Um, you know. The, there, there would be these rad trads, they call themselves. They're not really rad. The true rad trads are the actual hardcore set of contests, not, not these neo-traditionalists. But they would sit there and say, oh, we, we wouldn't have these problems if we had Queen Elizabeth. As That's missing the point entirely. That's missing the point entirely. Even, even if we were cucked like Canada and still recognized Elizabeth as the queen, it, it, it would still be, at best, a Protestant heir. But where do you think Mas Masana, uh, Mason ideas came from? Uh, let me think about this. Uh, England, maybe, because Eng uh, America was founded by the English? I don't know, just throwing it out there. <laughs> you know, masonry came from England. So, I'm not trying to suggest that King George III was an actual mason. He was a Protestant, though. That's an undeniable historical fact. Because England was a pro or is a Protestant country, they they there you know they actually executed their last Catholic monarch. And by the way, you know I use Catholic in the loosest sense of the term because this guy was about as Catholic as Pope Francis, or I'm sorry, quote unquote Pope Francis, or the heretic in chief, as I like to call him. But. I'm not. I'm not saying you know that that George III was an actual Mason, but there were plenty of people in Parliament that were actual Masons. Okay, so we're talking about a double whammy. The guys who are not actual Masons are Protestants. Now. For my American listeners, obviously our leadership is, you know, for all intents and purposes, if it's not actual Masonic or Masonic adjacent, it's Protestant. And by the way, Protestantism um, is, is, is basically um, the end goal of the Masons. So... In my mind, a, a Protestant might as well be Masonic adjacent. 
whether they're aware of it or not, doesn't matter. God did say we have to to follow our leadership, you know, our leadership such as is constituted, just like the early Christians in Rome had to follow their pagan leaders. But, you know, um, that doesn't mean that they're actually legitimate. Well, they're legitimate in the sense, in this sense, not that their goals and their methods are legitimate, but in the sense that since God is the author of divine providence, the, 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 the leaders we get are through his providence. And we have to respect his divine providence. So, you know, you can whine and gripe about the Democrats, the the neoconservatives, and, uh, you know, Joe Biden and Kamala Harris all you want to. They were put in charge of us (coughs) by God. Okay? So, if God put them in charge, we have, you know... In in so far as it's a lawful order. Now, if they're actually telling you that you have to take the vax, I'm going to come right out and say um, that is not a lawful order, even under the Constitution, because under the Constitution, we're supposed to have freedom to make our own decisions. Now, I know there's set of a contest out there who said, well, that's a Protestant heresy, and it is. But that's basically, you do not have the free will to be a free thinker in an actual Catholic monarchy. And what I mean by actual Catholic monarchy, I'm talking about an actual true Catholic king and whoever he puts in charge of his dominions. Okay? So, we have to use our common sense and say, yeah, if Joe Biden doesn't command us to do something that's, you know, goes against the laws of God, yeah, we're not bound to him. And by the way, plenty of popes have, you know, taught what I'm just saying. Anyhow, so I'm thinking the person that wrote, oh, and by the way, for the for the the second error, major error. By the way, the 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 episode was over an hour. I could only get through twenty minutes, and then I had to turn it off because it was literally turning my stomach. I mean, literally. I was I, I felt like I was going to puke, and I had to turn it off. And this once again, this is not a criticism of that podcaster. This is not. I'm just saying I had a visceral reaction to what he was reading from. But the second error of that book was, was that, you know, because you, they, they followed tradition, they followed a hierarchy and, you know, um, they're, you know, they had Episcopalians and Baptists who were kind of like the true Catholic church. They're actually Christians. So, um, the reason this is entitled Be Wise as Serpents and Gentle, well, I'll get to that at the end because there's one more uh, podcast. Now, I have erased these guys from my recommendations and I will get into them. But I wanted to address this particular issue and then while I was doing this episode, I decided I'm going to kill two birds with one stone. Now, like I said, this is not to say, this is not to say that the guy's a heretic. Like I said, I'm not making any judgments um, about his motivation or anything personal. This is just pointing out the errors that I heard in the first 20 minutes of his video. Okay. So I have listened to this guy previously. Um, you know, like anything else, because I'm just as flawed as he is. I'm sure not everything that I say 
is 100% theologically accurate. But uh, those of you with discernment, you know, if, 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 uh, you know, if, if I'm wrong on, and when I say wrong, I'm not saying that I got a date wrong. I'm not saying, oh, I'm not saying if I got a date wrong or I mispronounced stuff. You're talking to an American high school graduate, okay? That kind of thing. Yeah, don't don't bother me with that. But if I'm actually theologically wrong, doctrinally wrong, and this is for the set of accountants out there, I'll, I'll listen to what you got to say. Because, you know, I'm trying to do God's will as I know it. And I don't even want to be teaching air or not teaching spouting hair. Um, not even inadvertently, not out of out of ignorance even. I don't want to do that out of ignorance. So I, I will listen if somebody can show me where I've made any theological errors in my previous podcast. Anyhow, there's another there's another group on YouTube. They're they're brothers. And I, the the wiser of you will already know where this is going. Uh, they're on YouTube and they got a web page, and they're called. They're they are called Most Holy Family Monastery. Um, and their channel name I think is VaticanCatholic.com or something like that. These guys are out and out. Well, not out and out, but I've I've listened to a lot of their material because when I first started listening to them, I realized right away that they are of the set of a conscious mindset because at least as far as I know, 90% of what they teach is straight Catholicism, straight true Catholicism. It's the 10% you got to watch. Now, I started having second thoughts about them when they were criticizing actual true set of accountants organizations like um, the MRIC or Bishop Dolan and Bishop Sanborn and calling them actual heretics. That, that puts some doubts in my mind. I'm like, wait a minute. Now, these guys... They're not teaching air. And then by listening or by listening and reading actual set of conscious material and listening to their podcasts at the same time, I realized that they're guilty of the heresy of Phenism. Without getting too deep in the weeds. Um without getting too deep in the weeds, basically Phenism denies baptism of desire and baptism of blood. In other words, um, what, what, what a Phenist would teach is if you're a catechumen in the true Catholic church and you die, let's say you have a heart attack, you get shot in a robbery, or you actually get martyred, then you're going to hell because you weren't an actual Catholic. You weren't baptized and confirmed. That is a heresy. It was condemned by Pope Pius XII. The second thing, I'm sorry, the first thing I, I'm sorry, the first thing I described was baptism of blood. Or I'm sorry, baptism of desire. I'm sorry, baptism of desire. So basically, it, the ba the teaching of baptism of desire is if you're a catechumen and you die um, before you can get baptized and confirmed, what they deny that you go to heaven. They say, no, you have to be confirmed and you have to be baptized. The second error is they deny, or deny baptism of blood. To make a long story short, let's say you're a catechumen, you're not baptized, and you're not um, 
confirmed in the Catholic Church, but you get martyred. In other words, a pagan crowd sets upon you and kills you before you can get baptized and confirmed. They would say, well, you're going to hell because you, you weren't baptized. You weren't baptized. Um, you weren't confirmed. Now, there are other, there are other very, uh, uh, sections of the Phineas heresy, but, um, Though the, the, that seems to be the uh, modus operandi of these, uh, they're called the Demon Brothers. Um, I believe it's Demon. I don't, some people say Diamond. It, it doesn't matter. Um, I'm not playing with words. Uh, I'm literally saying what I heard, how I hear it pronounced. The Demon Brothers, their, their uh, modus operandi is, is they think that uh, the true uh, set of accountants are actually heretics because we teach baptism of desire and baptism of blood. Um, and by the way, these are traditional Catholic teachings. That's why Pope Pius XII excommunicated Father Feeney. Okay? they He actually... And um, I don't know if individual followers were excommunicated or not. I think that's up to the local diocesan bishop. But I, I know that Father Feeney was thrown out of the Catholic Church, the true Catholic Church. This wasn't Vatican II. It was Pope Pius XII that actually excommunicated them. Now, I realize if you talk to the followers of the Demon Brothers, they'll say, well, Pius XII wasn't actually Catholic, or, or they'll take a variation and say he was actually Catholic, but the, um, the organization in charge of excommunicating Father Feeney um, was, was Masonically influenced. Um, to those of you who want to listen to that particular air, uh, both Norvis Ordo Watch and True Restoration Radio cover it in great detail. Um, I believe Bishop Sanborn on True Restoration Radio devotes one or two episodes debunking the whole thing. That the Feeneyites, or, you know, Father Feeney was an actual heretic. Anyway, so the reason I'm bringing this up is is because as far as, you know, traditional Catholic doctrine goes, they're 90% correct. But they're still, they're still, um, they're, they're, they're still uh, heretics in the literal sense of the term. Because as, as soon as I start listening to them, you know, uh, get into some of the more controversial areas, I realized that they were Phineas. Anyway, um, I got to cut this short pretty soon. So, um, um, by the way, um, their monastery, without getting too deep in the weeds about their background, and by the way, I actually, when I started having doubts about them, I tried to research their background. These guys are more shadowier than the CIA. There's bits and pieces about them, but you can't tie anything together. The only thing that you can tie into the Demon Brothers is that their monastery is not connected to any, not the Norvis Ordo, not to the neo-traditionalists like the St. Pius X, and definitely not to any set of a contest organization. They are literally lone wolves. So, but, you know, I'm not interested in, you know, getting into their background. I'm not. It's not germane to my point. But, you know, if you're interested in researching their background, you know, you can Google them. You can read articles, I mean, but I'm just saying, you're not, like I said, these guys are shadow, shadowier than the CIA. 
hard, hard factual information is hard to come by. Anyhow, now their approach, when I first started listening to them, I, I, I will admit I fell into the error of looking at the surface and not looking at the spirit because they were just blasting Protestants and Orthodox schismatics and the, the Vatican II sect. I mean, they were literally using shotguns, you know, with their blasts. And I was like, this is what I'm talking about. These are said of a contest who are actually taking the fight to our literal enemies. But then, I, as, I, as I was listening more and more, and by the way, when I first started listening to them, my spiritual state was not the same as it is now. And just as a quick aside, your spiritual state should always be moving forward, not staying the same. But I covered that in other episodes. Um, but I started noticing some spiritual flaws. Now, it's not my job. Once again, like the other podcaster, I am not part of the magisterium. There is no actual magisterium existing. So it's not up to me, you know, to judge them spiritually. God's going to do that when they die. I just noticed some spiritual errors in, in their approach. And by the way, they, they've literally got a cult of personality going. Uh, I've dealt with some of their followers on the YouTube chat boards. And these, um, those of you who have listened to Rush Limbaugh, he used to talk about his political opponents, uh, hip, uh, political opponents thinking that the guys that were against them being mind numbed robots. Um, I always thought it was a funny phrase until I actually came across this phenomena. Um, you know, when dealing with the followers of Most Holy Family Monastery. So, in closing, in closing, I'm going to say that the reason I said be wise as serpents and gentle as doves, you have to watch what you consume. You have to be, you know, and, and there, there, there are completely secular people who will tell you the same thing. You got to be wise to what you're listening to. That not an ounce of Christianity in them, but they'll tell you the same thing that I'm telling you. You have to be wise about the content you consume. Now, um, the, you know, the set of Acontis place a special emphasis on doctrine. And and in order to serve God, this is this is the basis, but it's not the end all. Okay. In other words, you know, and I've covered this previously. Just having the correct doctrine doesn't get you into heaven. It just keeps you from error. It just keeps you from error, but it doesn't keep you from uh, spiritual uh, spiritual mishap. But be careful with what you consume and do so with the mindset of, um, you know, if something seems off, you know, do the research. But, um, do, do the research, but always be skeptical. Always be skeptical until you're proven otherwise, until you know, to the best of your knowledge, that the person that you're either reading or listening to is, is not, not an enemy in disguise, basically. And for the last part of this, I'm going to say St. Louis de Montfort, who in my opinion, is, is the foremost saint when it comes to the Mother Mary. He has written, I believe it's um, 
True Devotion to the Blessed Mary, uh, Blessed Virgin Mary, I believe is the title of the book. But he states in that book that, and by the way, he's not the only one who stated other saints well before him. I'm talking 500 years before him have also written that those who have a special devotion to the Blessed Mother will not be led into error or heresy. Okay, so that's basically it, guys. I got to wrap this up. Once again, you didn't have to listen. You didn't have to be here. Thank you for your time and your patience. And... Um, um, I really hope, I, I really hope that, that is, is damaged and twisted as I am, that still that the Lord Jesus is using me and the Holy Ghost are using me. Is 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 a broken tool as I am. I hope they're they're using me to spread the truth. I really I really hope so. So I'm praying for all you guys. God bless you. Have a good day. Bye bye.